0: But I think we'd all agree that this statement is true right here. Life is the sum total of the decisions we make. Life is the sum total of the decisions that you and I make. And I think oftentimes <clears throat> we we can look around us and we can maybe even blame other people for where we are in life, maybe our parents, the way that we were brought up, or maybe our boss, the way that our boss fired us or tr- has treated us, or, or maybe there's the government or certain situations, and we can oftentimes point our fingers at other people and other things um, as, as the, the cause of where we have found ourselves in life. And, and while there are other people and things that do contribute to where we are in life, I, I've just come to determine that I'm responsible for my life. Like my decisions shape my life. My decision, decisions will shape my destiny. And, and the, the, the decisions that you and I make every single day, every single day of our life, that's what actually builds our life. Our life is a sum total of the decisions we make. Now, here's what else I've discovered is that uh, there's many of us, we deal with something called regret because of the decisions that we've made. That is that we look back at our life and when we made that decision about that relationship or about that particular job, or we made that relationship concerning something with our children or, or something in an area, maybe our our our, our, relation, our dating relationships or even maybe in your marriage, and you look back, how many of you, without showing your hands, you could just kind of wink at me, you would say, I regret some of the decisions I've made in my past. Anybody in here? Just I'll, I'll wink both eyes and I'll blink them 50 times for myself, okay? We, we've all done that. We, we all look back at our life, and that is it. we say, if only, right? Regret, regret means if only. If only I wouldn't have gone there. If only I wouldn't have said that. If only I wouldn't have dated her. If only I wouldn't have taken that job. If only I wouldn't have moved here and done this with my life. We all, we all face regret many times in our life, but wouldn't it be good to know that you could actually live your life in such a way that God would guide you and direct you in the decisions that you make. Jeremiah 29 says, God says, I know the plans I have for you. The problem is, is a lot of times we don't know the plans, but God's got a plan. God has direction. He has guidance. He has leadership and he wants to lead you and he wants to guide you. He, he doesn't want you to get to the end of your life looking back and saying, I regret doing that. I regret that. I regret this. I regret the way I leveraged my finances only for myself. I regret the way I treated my wife. God doesn't want us living a life of regret, so how can we figure out uh, what is God's plan, God's will for our life? Here's the thing: I, I, I wrote this down in my journal probably 12 years ago. God wants us to know His plan more than we even want to know His plan. Like, and God created communication, which makes Him the greatest communicator. You can't miss God's will if you tried. You can't miss God's plan if you try. The only way is to be disobedient because God, he desires deeply to guide you and to direct you. You know why? Because God is not just some some far off God in the cosmos kind of barking out orders to us. You know what he is? He's a heavenly father. And, and, And just like any good dad, he loves to guide his children. Where does he like to guide you? He likes to guide you in places of peace. And places of prosperity, and I don't mean just money. I, I mean prosperity in your soul. He loves to guide you and direct you to places where your life flourishes, where you don't have regret, but you look back at your life and you go, "Man, God has been so good to me." That's the heavenly Father that you and I have. That's the type of guidance that He wants to give to us. And in spite of all the confusion sometimes surrounding our our decisions, we have to make. You know, whenever you you, you ask this person, and they give you one opinion, then you ask another, and that's another opinion. Sometimes even within the Christian circle, there's. Different opinions. You can sometimes ask two different pastors and they have different wisdom to give you about a decision to make. Listen, there can oftentimes be a lot of confusion, but God wants to bring clarity in the decision-making process for your life because he wants you to get to the end of your life, not just where you look back and say, man, God's been good to me, but where your life brings glory and honor to his name. As, his, as, his, as your father and you as his child, that's where God wants to take you. And I wanna read you this scripture. If you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs 3. We're gonna unpack just two verses today uh, in this whole collection. Um, we're not gonna read it right now, but I want you to hang on to that, Proverbs chapter three. And uh, I'm gonna read you two verses. They may even be familiar verses, but I think God's gonna to speak to us in a fresh new way. Uh, and we'll focus on those a little bit later on. But right now, I just wanna read you what I read my, my kids today on the way to church. Uh, and I said, I said, guys, let's pray for our church and pray that this would be what they would be able to say one day. Uh, Psalms 23 says this. David, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I love the personal pronoun. He doesn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. He says he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a, sh- a shepherd do? He leads and feeds, he cares for, he guides, directs. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And watch this. I have all that I need. In in Jesus, see, Jesus is the good shepherd. In Jesus, I have all that I need. I have all that I need. He's all sufficient. He's all satisfying. And then David says this, he, the shepherd, he lets me rest in green meadows. I don't know what a green meadow is. I live in a city. There's not a lot of green meadows. But he says he lets me rest. I just, I, I like to focus on that. He gives me rest. Rest in my soul. And look at this. He leads me, he leads me beside peaceful streams. One of the things that I've discovered is in a lot of times in trying to decide what to do about things. Should I move here? Should I go there? Should I marry her? Should I, do, should I take this job? Should I quit this job? Should I start this business? Should I, should I venture out into these uncharted territories? A lot of times those can be some of the most unsettling anxious and void of peace times in your life. But David said, the way that he leads me is he leads me beside peaceful streams. There's peace in his leadership. He renews my strength. and I love this. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. That's my prayer for you. And Nixon, my five-year-old asked me this morning, he said, Daddy said, he said, I have a question. Is the Lord everyone's shepherd? And I said, what do you mean? He said, dad, can the Lord be anyone's shepherd? And I I, I thought it was brilliant. I was like, you should come and preach today with me. And I got out of the car and I started thinking about that. And here's the answer. Yes, he can be anyone's shepherd and lead you and guide you and give you peace when it comes to his plan for your life. So I want to talk to you about discovering God's will for just a few moments. And we're going to unpack Proverbs 3. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we love you so much. And God, I thank you that you do have a plan. And you don't just just kind of plop us down here on this big rock called earth and say, figure it out. You don't do that. You are a heavenly father. In the same way I'm doing my best to guide and lead my children. God, you do that for us. You you love us. You lovingly and graciously lead us and you guide us in our life upon straight paths, your plan. God, it doesn't mean it's always easy and it doesn't mean it always makes sense, but God, you've got a plan. And I pray as we start this collection today that over the next few weeks, you would unfold your plan in our hearts. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We choose to follow you. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Could you do this? Could you clap your hands for the word of God? So good. Awesome. When you talk about this, this uh, mysterious phrase, God's will, um, uh, you got to understand something. And this, this, this is something very important. You got to get this. If you don't get what I'm about to tell you right now, you, you, you may not be able to understand the entire collection of talks. Uh, today, I want to unpack for you a little context about God's will, God's plan, um, I'm not going to give you the, the short answer like, hey, you know, here's the equation, plug this in, plug this in, and boom, God's going to tell you exactly what he wants you to do about that job or this, that, whatever. I'm not going to do that today. I'll give you some shortcuts maybe next week, but today is the foundation. I want to lay the foundation, and when you talk about God's will, if you, were to, if you were to type in God's will or the will of God in a concordance, you'd see three different categories that the will of God would fall into three different categories. I want to break those down for you. The first one is this. They're going to put on the screen is the Providential Will of God, the providential will of God. The providential will, or maybe you've heard it like this, the sovereign will of God. The providential will of God refers to those things that God is going to do regardless. Like, you don't have to pray about these things. No one asked him to do these things. These are things that God has already made up in his mind. I'm gonna do these things regardless. It's the providential will of God. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, Galatians chapter four uh, says this, but when the set time had fully come, that is it, it was already predetermined. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, here's what that means. In other words, God already determined, it was his will, his sovereign, providential will, I am going to send my son. I'm not doing this in response to someone's prayer. No one's asked me to do this. This is what I wanna do. This is my plan. This is what I'm up to in the earth. So he sends his son, Jesus. It's the providential will of God. Here's another one for you. Romans chapter two, speaking of the providential or sovereign will. And this is the message I proclaim, Paul says, that the day is coming, the day is coming, this is already set, when God through Christ Jesus will judge everyone's secret life. That's, that's a pretty intense scripture right there, right? If you just think about that, like, oh, I don't know if I wanna memorize this one. You know, it's like, it's not, the Lord is my shepherd sounds great at this point, you know? But, but here's what it's saying. In other words, no matter what, God has determined, it is his will, his providential will, his sovereign will that there will come a day that every single person, every person, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status or background, it doesn't matter where you've come from, none of those things matter. It doesn't matter if you just kind of went to church and kind of checked that off your box. Every single person, there will come a day when we all stand before God and he judges our life. He judges not just our public life, our Insta life, our Facebook life, but our secret life. There will come a day. No one can stop him he's going to do it. It's the providential will of God. Uh, yeah, here's, here's a couple more for you. Yeah, God has already determined in his providence and his sovereignty that Christ will return one day. No one can stop it. No one's even asked for it, but he's coming back. That's just kind of how he rolls. He's like, this is what I'm doing, and you know, kind of settled it, right? Uh, here's, here's another one, another part of the providence of God. God decided and determined that he was going to raise up a people, a people group, a nation that would that would be a nation that through that nation he would bless the entire world, and and here's that nation was Israel, right? He was going to do it no matter what. Now here's why I'm telling you this is really important because the more familiar you are with with God's providential will, like those things that God's going to do no matter what, the more you can position yourself and align yourself with what He is doing in the earth. Because here's what you'll see when you begin to look at the providential will of God throughout the Bible, is that God executes that providential will, that sovereign will, through using men and women, ordinary men and women, just like you and I. See, his providence was that he was going to send his son Jesus into the world. Nobody could stop it, but he said, hey Mary, I want to use you to do it. You see, she was in line, she was surrendered and submitted to God, and so so she, she was a part of that. Uh, another one is the, the, the issue with Israel is that God decided his providence. He was going to raise up a nation called Israel, and no one could stop him. But he says, hey, Abraham, I want you to be a part of this. And Abraham was able to be submitted to God. He was familiar with what God was saying, and he was able to align himself with that. It's the providential will of God. God uses men and women to do it. Now, here's a second one for you. second one is a little bit easier to wrap our brains around, but it's this. It's the moral will of God. The moral will of God. These are the do's and don'ts of scripture, right? It's the things that, according to scripture, God says, here's how I want my people, I want you, followers of me, I want you to do these things and I don't want you to do these things. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's just about standards. God has standards for his people, they're moral standards that he expects for us to live our lives according to it. And here's the thing. These moral standards, they're, they're, they're the things that you don't have to pray about. Like, God, is it your will that I sleep with my girlfriend? I mean, you don't have to pray for that one, right? God, is it your will for me to just spend all my money on myself? Like, his, the word is really clear on that. You don't have to pray about that. You know, in tax season, God, is it your will for me to withhold these declarations? I'll give more to the church. You already know what his will is, Right? His moral will, which is found in his word. If you want to know his will, get to know his word. It's in his word that he reveals his moral will. Let me show you a couple of these just for some examples. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 uh, says, God's will or God's plan is for you to be holy. So stay away from sexual sin. He's saying this not to take the fun out of life, but to take the sting out of life. In other words, Part of God's will for your life is for you to remain morally pure, to have integrity in your life. God says this as part of his will. Here's another one for you. It's very clear in God's word. First Peter chapter two, verse 13 it says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. It is God's will that your honorable life should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Here's what he's saying. It's God's will for you to submit to the governing authorities that God has placed. It doesn't matter if you agree with the political party. It doesn't matter if you think the police officer is a good police officer, all those things. What we have to do is we have to say, God, you've placed authority in my life. I'm submitted to the authority of my life. If it's your parent, if it's your boss or whatever, God, I'm submitting my life. It's God's will for our life to submit to the, the authorities that he's placed in our life. This is the moral will of God. Now, here's why I'm telling you this. This is is really important because the third one is the personal will of God. This is the one that we all wanna know, right? This is the one we're like, should I move here? Should I stay here? Should I buy that house? Should I buy this car? Should I get out of San Francisco? Should I move into this neighborhood of San Francisco? And we try to figure out like, God, what is your personal will? Here's here's the thing. I'm gonna explain the personal will to you, but here's the, the big premise, the big idea. You gotta get this. The more familiar you are Listen, the more familiar you are with the providential will of God, those things that God's going to do anyway, the more familiar you are with the providential will of God, the more surrendered or obedient you are to the moral will of God, the easier it is to discern the personal will of God for your life. It's the more familiar you are, things that God's going to do anyway. How do you get to know that? Through God's word you begin to see oh this is the pattern this is what god's doing in the earth today he's he's redeeming people he's restoring people he's establishing his church he's building his kingdom he's reconciling all races he's reconciling people back to himself you begin to see what he's doing he's in the end he's going to restore all things to himself and christ is coming back and so you begin to see that these are the things that God's doing according to his will. And the more familiar you are with that, then you begin to look in his word and you see the moral standards of God's word, the things that we should do and that we shouldn't do. And the more obedient and surrendered you are to those things, here's what happens, the easier it is to figure out the personal will of God for your life. I think a lot of times we don't know God's personal will for our life because we don't know God's, God's providential will or his moral will. That is that we're just trying to go through life and figure things out and and the pattern just becomes so destructive because we feel confused and we just don't know. There's so many competing voices around us and we're just trying to figure things out. But the more familiar you are with the providential will of God, the more surrendered and obedient you are to the moral will of God, the easier it is to figure out the personal will of God for your life. Uh, Here's the best way I can... I can give this to you. I'm gonna give you a couple of verses and then I wanna share with you just this little, this little concept. First Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul said this, Paul called to be an apostle, so he's called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So for Paul, he says, I personally feel as though I am called to be an apostle and a communicator specifically to this people group. I'm called to this place personally. Here's another one for you, First Peter four nineteen. This is another one of those ones you probably don't wanna memorize. So then, those who suffer according to God's will, that, that'll just mess with your theology right there. Put that in your pipe and smoke that, okay? This is intense. It's God's will for some people to suffer. When you read the context here, here's what it was. These people were ministers of the gospel, and it was God's will for them to become martyrs as a testimony, as a witness, martyr simply means witness, as a witness to other people of God's grace, mercy, and love. And it was God's will for their life. I think where we get really messed up in the church is where we think that it's God's will that we never walk through hard times. Sometimes it it actually is God's will for us to walk through hard times but holding his hand. That's why David said, Psalms 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? You were with me. Sometimes God's will is for us to walk through hard times and us hold his hand and people see our peace, even in the midst of problems. And it's God's will. Personally, that's some people's some people's, uh, God's will for some people's life. Now here's, here's how I want to explain this to you. I want to see if I can do this. I may need you to hold this mic for one second. This is something called, um, I don't really know anything about building things, but this is, this is called a plumb bob. You ever, you ever heard of a plumb bob? Any construction workers in here in the house? Okay. okay plumb. Look, Teresa, you know what a plumb bob is. Are you a construction worker? I didn't know about that. The, this, this is a plumb bob at the bottom down there. And, uh, this is a, this is a contracting tool. Uh, you'll see people that build houses, uh, build commercial uh, properties, they'll use this. Uh, you'll also see uh, some brick masonries, or masons that will use this, doing masonry work. Um, the plumb plum bob down there, it, it carries uh, weight. This one was probably about you know about a pound or so, or 12 ounces, or I don't know, something like that. And uh, it's got a little weight to it. And, and, and the reason why it has weight to it is that as you extend this line, it, it causes that line to become straight. And what contractors use this for, they take the weight of the plumb bob to create... The plumb line is what they call it, so that you can see if the wall you're building and erecting, if it's straight, if it has integrity. Uh, it, another thing that, that the brick masons will do, I've seen this because my brother-in-law is a, a brick mason contractor, that they'll use this to make sure that the line of the bricks is straight. And, and before they lay, for him, I've watched him, it's a, it's a tedious uh, job. Before he lays every single brick, he looks at the plumb line. It's amazing. So the plumb line becomes the point of reference or the standard by which every decision is made. Now, I want to show you something. Listen, the moral will of God, the things that God tells you in his word, here's what you should do or here's what you should not do. The providential will of God, the things God's going to do no matter what, the more familiar we are with the the providential will and the moral will, listen, it becomes a standard by which our personal decisions in our life can be made. It becomes the point of reference. God's word becomes the point of reference of reference for every decision that we have to make. God's word is actually, it's the plumb line for our lives. This is what God's word is. This is why when you hear us talk about reading, your, reading the Bible, it's not just like, hey, read your Bible and you're going to become uh, more holy and God's going to like you more and he's going to be more pleased with you. That's not it. It's this, is the more you read God's word and you allow God's word to read you, the more that you dig into the scriptures. And and even sometimes when you don't even understand what it's saying and you're just reading, you're like, I feel like I'm not getting anything out of this. You're absorbing and you're retaining something, even in your spirit, and it begins to transform and change you. Why? Because Hebrews says this. It says, God's word, it's alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There is no other book in the history of mankind that is alive, but God's word is alive and you get it on the inside of you and his standard, his word becomes his standard in your life. It becomes a point of reference for every decision that you and I have to make. The more familiar we are with the providential will, the more surrendered we are with the moral will, the easier it will be to discover the personal will. Now here's here's the thing, here's what I want you to know. The challenge is not, I don't believe the challenge is hearing from God, hearing his voice. And listen, I don't mean an audible voice. God has never spoken to me in an audible voice. I don't even know if I would want him to. I would be so terrified. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine just praying, you're in your car, and it's like, Jason. I would freak out. I would lose my mind. I would never probably come back here, okay? I would be away in some hospital somewhere, they'd put me in like 18 straight jackets, okay? I would, I would be crazy. But but what I've discovered is, is that God speaks the way he writes. And you'll begin to get this sense on the inside of you, and you'll begin to know his personal will. But I don't think the challenge is the challenge is hearing from God, his personal will for our life. I think the challenge is simply obeying. I think that's the biggest challenge. And I think a lot of times the reason we don't hear from God about his personal will for our life is because we're just asking his, his, his direction for uh, another, another consideration. It's like, we already have a few options. We're like, God, what do you think? It's like, God, do you, do you have, do you have any take on this one? And, And we think God's gonna be like, well, you know, here's what I would do if I was in that situation. God does not speak to us like that. God does not speak to us and give us direction for consideration. He gives us direction for participation. And I've discovered that a lot of times it's hard to hear from God on something because we haven't postured ourselves with a yes, 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 yes. I don't care whatever it is. I don't care whatever you say. I don't care wherever you tell me to go. My answer is yes. And it's when you get desperate and you get to that place, that's when God begins to speak loud and clear. See, God doesn't give us his direction and his guidance for consideration, but for participation. How can you get to know it? I, I love it because I think that we have a promise in Proverbs 3 that I told you about, and we actually have the setup. I want to read you the setup uh, after I read you the promise. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 6 says, and, which means it's connected to the previous verses, he, God, will direct your paths. He'll make your path straight. So so the previous verses are the setup to the promise. So there's some prerequisites to the promise. It's not that we serve a conditional God. God has unconditional love for us, but there are prerequisites to some of his promises. The prerequisites are like keys unlocking the promise. And there's a promise that God says, I'm going to direct you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to let you know my personal will for your life. For that decision you got to make, I am going to make your path straight and clear and obvious. It's going to be so plain. But if you want that type of guidance from me, here's what I need from you. Verse number five. Five. Trust in the Lord with a portion of your heart. Trust in the Lord with a portion of your relationships. Trust in the Lord with with 67% of your finances. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I don't want a piece of you, God says. I want all of you. You want all of me? I want all of you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And watch this. Don't lean on your own understanding. I know that's the temptation. When you're making decisions and you're trying to navigate things, you're trying to figure things out, and you're like, but I don't understand, and this doesn't make sense. And God's like, a lot of times, it just doesn't make sense. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't rely on your own logic. Listen, I'm not telling you to just be a dumb Christian and to not think of things critically. I think God gave us a brain for a reason. But there are times When he tells us something, and he directs us in areas, and we're like, that doesn't make sense. I don't know if I can, I don't know if, that seems so impossible. That seems so unrealistic. That moral standard seems so antiquated. It seems like something that was good for the 50s, but not now. God says, don't lean on your own understanding. That'll get you in trouble. Look back at your life. How's that working out for you? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In a few of your ways. In your Sundays. In all of your ways. Acknowledge him. That word acknowledge is a very terrible translation from the original language. It actually is more like this. In all of your, all of your ways, be riveted to God. In all of your ways, be bent towards his, his will. Be bent towards what he wants. It, it's this picture of God what do you want? Where do you want my kids to go to school? God, where, where, do, you, where do you want my wife and I, where do you want us to live? God, where, where, what do you want? I know what I kind of prefer and what I want, but God, what do you want? God, what do you want for my friendships? Do you want me to be in, in, in connection with this person? I know that I'm, this guy wants to be my business partner, and, and it makes sense because he's got, he's got the intelligence and he's got the relationships, the network to financially back this. But God, that makes sense to me, but what do you want? God, what's, what's your will in this? And I think the idea here is that, that God's saying, I need you to be surrendered in all of the known ways. I need you to be surrendered in all those things that I've already spoken to you. I need you to give me all of you. I need you to give me all of, all of your relationships and all of your, fi- I need you to give me all those things and to which as humans, sometimes we're like, God seems so greedy. God seems so selfish. He wants everything. Listen, have you ever noticed that when you give God whatever, fill in the blank, he always gives it back to you and makes it better. He just does. He gives it back to you, and he just just makes it so much more beautiful, so much better. He does it with every area of our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean down on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, in everything, in, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, with your business, with every single area, acknowledge him. Be riveted to him. Be bent towards what he wants. And then, He's going to direct your paths. And then he's going to direct your paths. The idea is that this, picture this. I've got to make a decision. Do I start this company? Right? This is the decision. God, what do you personally want for me to do in this? I think the setup for that is all of the known things that you know, according to scripture, all the things that he's told you already to do, The more surrendered and obedient you are in all of these areas, it sets you up because God knows he's going to do, she's going to do whatever I tell him. It's the setup. It's the the acknowledgement and the surrender and the obedience and the submission to the known will of God. That's what paves the way to discovery of the unknown will of God. It's surrender and submission to the known will of God. That's what paves the way to discover The unknown will of God. Look what Thomas Merton said. I love this. He said, we receive enlightenment or revelation. We receive enlightenment only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. We do not first see and then act. We act and then see. And that is why the man who waits to see clearly before he will believe never starts on the journey. Isn't that beautiful? Surrender to the known will of God paves the way to discovery of the unknown will of God. Here's what I'm telling you, is you gotta get to the place where you say, God, I may not understand, it may not make complete sense, but whatever you want in this area, my answer is yes. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? God, not for my consideration, But for my activity, my action, my obedience, my submission, what do you want? And it's in those moments, God says, now I'm going to direct you. Now I'm going to guide you. I love this. Philip Yancey said this in one of his books about God's will. He says, I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. Isn't that great? I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. Do you know what God's will for your life is? Here's what God's plan is. It's not just that you get to know his guidance, but you get to know him. And I think that's part of the process. It's not like a cat and mouse thing that God's playing with us. But what I've discovered is when we have to make decisions, have you ever noticed like it just kind of forces you to your knees in prayer? And it's just like you're just like, God, I, I, guide me, direct me, all these things. And, and the whole time God's like, come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming after me. You know why? Because he just wants to be with you. He wants to reveal his character to you. He wants you to, to experience his presence. He wants you to know his wisdom. He wants you to know his love. And it's in that, in that seeking To know him or to know his will, a lot of times it's in that seeking that we come to know him and and the byproduct of the seeking to know his will is actually, it's not knowing his will, it's just knowing him. That's what he's after. The Bible defines eternal life, you know what it is? By knowing God. By knowing God. As we start this collection of talks, this is what I, I would encourage you to do. Here's something very practical. Is I wanna challenge you to start spending undistracted time in God's word. Even if you've never done it before, even if it's one chapter a day, even if it's five minutes, whatever, just go to God's word and say, God, show me your will through your word. And just start reading the, the pages of the Bible and just allow God to start showing you things. I believe that God will speak to you. God, Like I said, God's never audibly spoken to me, but man, I'm telling you what, there's something amazing about spending time in his word as he begins to speak his will to me. He'll never speak something, you know, that you, some, some voice or something that's, that contradicts his word. That's one of the ways you know that it's him. And I just want to encourage you in this collection of talks, start spending quality time in the word of God, leaning in and saying, God, will you show me? Now, here's what I know. You're going to come across some of those moral moral standards. You're gonna come across some of those things where God's gonna hes going to kind of like just elbow you about maybe your relationship. He, he's gonna elbow you about how you speak to your wife. He's gonna elbow you about what you do with your finances. He may do that. I'm just warning you. If you don't wanna get a, a divine elbow, then don't read God's word. He's gonna do it. Like he's gonna he's, he's going do it. Mark my words. But I'm telling you what, it's like that scripture that says, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. I would much rather God cut me with his word. Like a good surgeon, he only cuts you to heal you. Let him do it. Lean into his word. He's going to speak. Just obey.
1: When he pushes on one of those
0: areas, just go, okay, God, I, I hear you loud and clear. I'm going to have that conversation with her. I'm going to reconcile with my dad. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start. I'm going to stop. Lean in. When he, pow, when he throws that elbow, just lean into what he's saying. Let me, let me conclude with this last little thing. I'll skip that. But I, um, I'll finish with this. I know I've, I've told you a little bit about my dad before, but there was a season, in case you're new here, there was a season where I didn't talk to my dad for about five, six years. And uh, I, was, I was actually a Christian for a few of those years. And, uh, and God began to speak to me through his word, Ephesians chapter four, forgive, forgive your dad. Forgive just as your heavenly father has forgiven you. And I remember I was like, I, I kind of sensed this. Like, you need to go and you need to have a conversation with your dad and reconcile. And I remember I was like, I bind you, devil. That can't be from the Lord. You know, it's like, it's so dumb. And, uh, and I, I prayed and I, and I sensed. This is just what I felt. I felt like God said, okay, you're not going to surrender me? Surrender to me in that direction? Then I'm not going to speak to you anymore. I'm not going to give you any more direction until you're obedient in the last thing I told you. And I remember I wrote that down in my journal. I was like, I don't, there's no way he's going to do that. I mean, he's a good father. He's gracious. Do you know, I'm telling you for the next few months, I, it's like I could not hear from God. That's a challenge when you're, when you're kind of your gig is getting up in front of people and preaching and talking. I'm not hearing from God. The lid was my lack of surrender. And it was like a glass ceiling between me and God. And finally, I was like, fine, God, you win, okay? You win. And I surrendered to the known will of God. I reconciled with my dad. See, because the moral will of God says to forgive. And the personal will of God was for me to reconcile with my dad. And as soon as I reconciled with my dad, immediately, I'm telling you, I looked at my dad and said, Dad, I forgive you. Debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. And as soon as I said that, it was like something lifted off of me. And now, and then I begin to hear from God. And I'm telling you that because I feel like for some of you in here, you're struggling to get wisdom about decisions you need to make. And God's like, hey, I want to guide you, but I need you to go back to the other things I've already told you be obedient in those those areas why because surrender to the known will of god paves a way to discovery of the unknown will of god amen i want you to bow your heads with me i want to pray for you and we'll dismiss i want to pray for people today that maybe maybe you're not in relationship with god maybe you don't know god maybe you don't maybe you're not a follower of jesus listen the bible says whoever calls upon the name of the lord they can be saved whoever whoever You don't have to clean your life up before you can come to know God. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Confess your sins to him and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And today you can do that. I want you to do this. If you pray this prayer in your heart, if that's you and you say, Jason, I want to become a follower of Jesus, just pray something like this. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Today I surrender my life to you. And I want to follow you. Tired of doing it on my own, I've actually messed a lot of areas of, of my life up. But today, I make a decision to surrender my life to You. Forgive me, save me, and transform my life forever. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Let me do this. Can I pray for for this last thing? Your head bowed, your eye closed. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or anything like that. But I just. I sense that God's speaking to some people about some areas, some unsurrendered areas of your life. And I want to pray for courage, grace, and strength to surrender to God. God, I pray for every person right now. In Jesus' name. God, those areas of their life that maybe are unsurrendered, Lord, will you give them strength to surrender? Help them to see that your plan, your way, is so much better than their plan. God, I pray that you would speak to them right now. Remind them. Maybe you've already spoken before. Bring it back to them. And God, may they have the courage to surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you clap your hands today?